Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hola and welcome to the World in Sport from RNZ Pacific. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, the New Zealand government gets behind a proposed Pacific Super Rugby team. Team Wellington closes in on the OFC Champions League title and a major milestone for Tokelau Wrestling. But first, Manu Samoa will face Germany or Portugal for a place at next year's Rugby World Cup after World Rugby announced the rescheduling of their home and away playoff series. Confirmation comes after an independent judicial and disputes committee found Belgium, Spain and Romania fielded ineligible players in the Rugby Europe Championship. Samoa was originally scheduled to face Spain or Portugal next month for the final berth in Pool A, but the fixtures have now been delayed by three weeks. Head coach Fuimo Ono Titimaya Tafur says that means they'll be without a number of key players. That we've been waiting for for that long, for but uh, it is good for us, uh, as you know, that uh, some of our players are all over the world. They prepared their 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 leave, and uh, but uh, it's good we we are finally uh, know the dates and uh, the team that we're going to play. Are you happy with the outcome that Manu Samo will play uh, Germany or Portugal? Yes. Whatever the outcome of the Europe uh, program, it's still uh, all right with us because we, that's our first uh, priority. Was uh, you know we want to qualify for the World Cup. How disruptive has this whole process been to your preparation as a coach and and for the team leading into these games? Well, our preparations at the at the moment is going all right. We are now um, checking all the points and their availability. You, you know, we for their rescheduling of their dates. But, they are. but uh, it looks like uh, it's over 50% of our boys are now being okay with all the dates being changed. But uh, this morning we'll try to uh, contact uh, some of our players with their availability. So is there still a chance you think that some of your European-based players might not be able to play on those dates? There will be, yes, yes, of course, yes. There are some players uh, for sure they are, they are not available for these games. And, but uh, that's as you know that we're having our Super 9 at the moment, our local tournament. So we have some of the players that might cover the, our professional players if they are not available. World Rugby emphasised... Yeah, World Rugby emphasised in their release that obviously under Regulation 9 you're entitled to call up any player from any team, but is, is that just not practical in this day and age? Uh, you've obviously got to compete between the club's interests and the players' interests, securing for their families and their and their own lives? Yeah, that's the ruling, yeah, yeah. but uh, as you know, that uh, if some of the players, they, the, the reason why they uh, they put in, into their contracts that they are not uh, available for their country, you know, some of the players, it's in their contract that they won't uh, be available for their national sign. It's all from uh, that rules, but uh, we're all right because we, we already had our plan B and our preparations for some players to replace uh, our, all our unavailable players. How many players do you think will be unavailable? <laughs> I'm not sure because, <laughs> as I said, that uh, we're trying our best to contact some of our players. 
while we are now reaching 50% of our players, but it's about uh, 2%, you know, the dates are not good for them. Obviously, Some of them, yeah. they already had uh, plans for their weddings and, uh, you know. But obviously this is a crucial, I mean, this is, this is qualifying for the Rugby World Cup. It doesn't get too much bigger than that. As I said, that uh, there are players that uh, they already set their plans because uh, during uh, right from the start uh, from last year, our, our date was uh, June, so all the players had their plans ahead, but they changed it. But uh, that's uh, a little bit, uh, con- you know, it's not uh, from the players' uh, perspective, but it's all from uh, changing dates. And uh, so, so if the game was still being played three weeks earlier in Apia followed by the return match in the middle of June, more players would have been available? No, 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 no. We already had the plan. We were going to play in June in the first uh, two weeks in the, uh, on the 9th and uh, 16. Those games were played in Suva, Fiji. So after that game, then we were back uh, to the island and prepared for the first uh, qualifying game. That's the Manu Samoa rugby coach, Fuimo Ono Titimaya Tafua. Pacific Islands Super Rugby team has moved a step closer to reality. New Zealand's Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade has commissioned a feasibility study on establishing a team in Fiji, Samoa and Tonga. Pacific Rugby Players Chief Executive Officer Aidan Clark has been a part of the high-level meetings and says it's an exciting prospect. Having Pacific Island team involved in Super Rugby is there's nothing but good for the players and the communities, but it's all about the detail and what that ends up looking and feeling like. The implications of where it may be based and, and of what I've seen in the media so far are obviously confidential within that feasibility study, but we've just been ensuring that throughout this process that the players' welfare is at the forefront of all the decision-making um, and making sure that in the end, whatever it may look like, that it's one that benefits everyone, players, community and, and all of the Pacific, let alone uh, international rugby. Would having a team based in multiple countries be practical? Would that be in the interest of player welfare? Because we've seen the Sunwolves do something similar at the moment and it's quite challenging and even South African teams in Super Rugby that uh, are based in one country, the amount of travel they have to do um, is you know, really tough on them. Yeah, for sure. Um, anybody who knows rugby can understand that that's the type of detail that we sort of have to consider to make sure that it actually works. Um, you don't want to repeat uh, past mistakes uh, without going into obviously the confidentiality of, of what goes on um, in these types of research. Um, that those are definitely factors that we think are hugely important um, and they are being listened to. Uh, so from here, it's just about making sure that um, as, as it evolves, um, that the type of detail in terms of home and away and exactly time on the road and where it will be based come out to be as best as possible. It's, it's very complex, you know, lots of different nations involved, um, logistically, um, politically. So a lot of water to go under the bridge yet. We've seen Super Rugby matches played in Fiji successfully uh, with New Zealand teams, the Crusaders, the Blues, uh, played over in Samoa as well against the Reds. Um, We've seen good crowds in Fiji, Samoa, we had a really disappointing crowd because the tickets were too expensive. Um, These are all things that have been considered, I guess? Yeah, they are. You know, the economic impact and and the opportunities uh, that this team could provide are are obviously a huge factor Um, overall. You know, the people from Fiji, Tonga, Samoa are hugely passionate about rugby, um, as are the players. So we want to take the rugby um, into those communities and give everybody access to, to the high-profile stars um, that are representing them. It's just about uh, the detail of making sure that we do it in the most very effective way. So this feasibility study has been led by New Zealand's Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade, but I, I presume for it to be relevant in any way or to have any worth, 
there's obviously got to be some encouragement from Sansa from rugby bodies. Otherwise, what would be the point? Yeah, exactly. Um, and and those uh, the key stakeholders are um, in these discussions. Um, and with obviously the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade are leading it from an economic point of view and, and what would this uh, team, if it was to happen, um, how could it have a positive impact on the economies and, and the communities of the Pacific. Um, but yeah, you're right, um, if there's, there's plenty of people with, uh, with a role to play in this and it's just about working through that, um, making sure it's good for everybody. Currently the majority of Pacific players obviously play in Europe because of the money there and, and the contract offers, not as many available in this part of the world. Um, what, what is the actual stance in New Zealand, Australia? Is, it, is, it, is there a formal stance? Because you, you get a lot of situations where a, a Jack Lamb and Alapati Leua, they were playing in New Zealand, but once they commit to the Pacific nation, very quickly they find themselves you know, heading up north once they're no longer All Blacks eligible. We've seen what's happens with Brad Shields committing to England. Are there Pacific players and Super Rugby teams in New Zealand right now that that would have to get a release from New Zealand to commit to a Pacific nation in a similar situation? The short answer is, is yes. Um, obviously, New Zealand and Australia, um, first and foremost, want to protect their own background and have as many players um, on the field that are eligible for their national teams, which you can understand. But um, from our point of view, you know, um, recognising the contribution from Pacific Island players is also very important. Um, at the moment, within the current rules, um, there's only a certain amount of spots that are available for guys who aren't eligible for these national teams, and that does come into the decision-making of the players, whether they're going to uh, make themselves available for international rugby or not, or or maybe wait until they're playing abroad. But again, that's another issue that we're um, in discussions with the various stakeholders about and trying to make... Um, make some headway around and improving the options for the players. Well, because that's what obviously a Pacific Islands team could potentially help in, isn't it? That if you're playing for a Pacific Islands team, which obviously has an interest in Pacific Island players particularly, then obviously you'd be free to play Super Rugby and you'd be free to be eligible for that Pacific nation. Oh, 100%. Yeah, an opportunity for the national coaches of those teams to have uh, more players on a on a stage in a, in a world-class competition is nothing but good. Uh, but obviously, like I said, there's there's detail that we work through there. There's issues that have been found out through the likes of the Sunwolves and so forth about how good it was for their national team. Um, just simply around things around um, logistics and, and availability of players. So there's a bit of work to go in there yet. But overall, um, yes, you're right. A, a team playing in Super Rugby um, provides more opportunity to have players playing at that level and, and therefore will increase uh, the capability of the international teams. That's Pacific Rugby Players Chief Executive Aidan Clark. Team Wellington have all but secured the OFC Champions League football title after thrashing La Toka FC from Fiji 6-0 in the grand final first leg. The home side were only 1-0 in front at half-time, but a four-goal burst in the space of 14 second-half minutes helped to ensure a sizeable win for coach Jose Figueira's side. It was really important for us to you know, make a statement and put ourselves in a good position heading uh, to the second leg. And uh, yeah, it was great to see the boys from start to finish you know, maintain you know, those standards and the, the, the high quality that, that we have. So it was great, it's great to see that being showcased today. Now, do you take all the credit for the, uh, subs, the super sub of Jack coming on five minutes later? He scores one, starts a flurry. <laughs> you know, I guess you could, but no, look, it's um, you know, the boys... Uh, you know, work so hard for each other and, you know, the trust that they have in, in, in what we want to do is, is great to see and, and seeing them showcase themselves on the, on the pitch like that's, you know, great, great, to, great to be able to be a part of. 6-0, obviously, pretty hard to lose from here, let's be honest. So how do you, how do you keep focus, how do you keep that mindset going into uh, La Torca, second leg? 
Yeah, well, I think it's just those that that professionalism, the the standards, you know, the integrity of the competition. Um, you know, we're going to go over there. You know, won't change a sing, single thing. And for us, it's just another experience and a, a, another opportunity for the for the team and the players to continue growing and developing. So, um, you know, it will be be a, a tough challenge over there as well to try and maintain. You know what we did here today. Um, so you know we'll, we'll relish relish that challenge. Game plan ticked off pretty well today, but coaches are never fully happy. So is this something you want to see improvement from? Um, probably looking, you know, in the first half where we, you know, found it hard at times to sort of find that final pass or final action in the box. Um, you know, in, in really tense games, um, you know, it's important that you take those opportunities. But look, I think being honest, it was, you know, a really great day at the office, and uh, you know, I'm glad there was a, a, a big crowd here to see it as well. Meanwhile, Lautoka FC coach Kamal Swami admits their hopes of winning the title are effectively over, but remained proud of their journey to the final. It was a tough game and I think Wellington was a better side. They were well prepared and they have been in this competition for long and I think Lotoka has come Lotoka came back after eleven years. So it, for us it is reaching the final is a positive sign and then we'll see how we can do in the second leg. In that first half, you know, pretty hard to get your hand, your feet on the ball, should I say. Uh, Position-wise, Team Wellington were, you know, um, really hogging that ball, and uh, you know, you had a couple of chances. I think Ben Satori had a had a opportunity there, but um, at one 0 down, you would have been feeling somewhat optimistic at the break. Yeah, of course, yes. That was what that's what we planned. That we will be defending in the first half, and we'll come up with a counter attack, and then we go in second half pressing them high because we know they play from the back. But uh, the second goal that came in, I think, demoralised the boys, and then everything went in their favour. Yeah, and obviously, uh, when you're chasing the game like that, you need goals that opens yourself up at the back, I guess, and, yeah. and they had a lot of space. Yeah, of course, yes. I think we wanted to score at least at least a goal when we were four four nil down to get that uh, away goal. But then getting a red card it, at that point, I think it was indiscipline. So we need we need to prepare better. For our players, it's 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 just like uh, playing against uh, quality sides which have been in the t- uh, in this tournament for long, and they they are much more better prepared, which helps uh, them to perform better. And it was all mind game. Got the return leg at home next week. So uh, what what might how do you approach that game? Obviously six 0 down. Realistically, it's going to be pretty a tough ask to Of course, to win, yes, it so. will be very tough. And, but at least we get a win in the second leg would be a bonus to us. And we'll, we'll go for a win in the second uh, leg. And as you say, to, to be at this stage um, after a big year last year domestically and getting all the way through to the final, though, can you still take positives? Can you still keep optimistic? Of course, yes. We, we, we are positive about it. And, and then I think our team has done very well in this competition. Looking at the competition, we played tough matches and then we came up travelling, missing four players, which they did not come. In the last minute, we came to know that Samuel Adunru is not playing. About about his sanction, and then uh, I think New Zealand Immigration did not allow Zebras and Penifino to come to New Zealand, where we lost three top players. So it's it's just part of football, and then we need to prepare better. That's the Lautoka football coach Kamal Swami. Tokelau has been accepted onto the Commonwealth Wrestling Board, but further hurdles remain in their attempts to compete at the Commonwealth Games. The New Zealand Territory, which has a local population of just 1,500, is recognised by the sport's global governing body, United World Wrestling, but not the Commonwealth Games Federation. Eli Alakana Manu, who has won eight Oceania medals representing Tokelau, 
says their opportunity came when the sport's global governing body took control of the Commonwealth Championships. There was a bit of a change with the um, Commonwealth Games uh, Wrestling Committee, which it, it was its own kind of separate group, separate from uh, the International Federation, but with the way um, it's been formatted now, it's come under the International Federation. And because um, Tokelau have um, affiliation to the International Federation, that was kind of the window that uh, got us into these championships. So that previous barrier of, of not having a Commonwealth Games Association, though, does that still exist? Uh, it still exists at, at this time. Um, we There is a sporting body in Tokelau who... Uh, the representative of Tokelau Sport in general, but in terms of having the, its own uh, Commonwealth Games Association recognised by CGF, that, that doesn't exist. The reaction and, and the coverage that you got from the mini-games, what was the response to that in Tokelau and, and to Tokelauans that you spoke to? Yeah, definitely positive all around. Um, I was contacted by um, uh, some delegates from the Tokelau uh, government in Samoa who we were quite happy um, with the result, requesting information about uh, how we went, how it was all, all, a bit all uh, carried out over there. We sent through a report to them, so um, yeah, everything is positive uh, from the community as well, uh, messages of support. Because I guess there's there's two sort of um, dual fronts, isn't there, in terms of having Tokelau represented more strongly with more athletes at the likes of a mini-games or a Pacific Games is something that you want to see, but then in terms of the wrestling, which I guess is what's closest to your heart, is is trying to actually be able to represent Tokelau, which is a, uh, you know almost a, a funny sort of comparison. You know, On one hand, you obviously can compete at the, the mini and the Pacific Games, but um, you know no one's really been yeah. putting their hands up or the structures haven't been in place. And on the other hand, you would just love the yeah. opportunity to be able to. Definitely. Um, and I think that comes down to the host nations as well. When they put the initial bids in, I don't think wrestling has been part of the agenda. And maybe that comes down to the national federation in that country uh, not pushing the NOC enough or the Pacific uh, Games Association in the country enough to have wrestling included. But um, yeah, it is an odd situation where we've got an actual wrestling team that um, can't compete at games when it's not available. But um, yeah, that is a bit of a funny structure, I guess. If, if wrestling was on the Pacific Games, for example, though, you would be able to compete, right? Yeah, definitely. And would um, I think in terms of numbers of competitors, would have a lot more. And uh, Eli, in terms of your position on the Commonwealth Wrestling Board, uh, what does that, um, you know, w- what are you hoping to achieve and, and what sort of avenues does that open for, for you or more so for Tokelau? Um, our whole agenda has been around uh, growing the sport in the, amongst Commonwealth countries. For myself personally, I, I feel I can have a, a lot more impact um, in terms of the, the nations that are based around Oceania. We do have a lot of Commonwealth countries that um, in, in the Oceania region who aren't active uh, in wrestling, so I feel I can have a big impact there. And also um, listening to the other small uh, federations or smaller countries that are in the Commonwealth uh, amongst the Caribbeans and, and all the small ones that I, I, I do take an interest in. But I'm saying that it's all part of a um, part of a team and we, we still yet to kind of meet and decide who to be doing what and 
and how we're going to tackle the big task of growing this thing. Yeah? That's the Tokelau wrestler Eli Elikana Manu, and that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Finney Wiley. As always, thanks very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.